Okay. He said, well, we need a cook now. So what he did, this horse, he would plow on the, he tied his horse up to a tree, this Frank Hayden, got on a train, worked to St. Louis, and come back out the next day, and the st train stopped there, and he untied that horse, and he'd been working on dining cars, a chef cook ever since. Okay. Now, it's a true story. Frank J. Hayden. And H E Y H A Y H A H A Y D E N Hayden Frank J Hayden and speaking of Frank Hayden, this Luther Well I tell you about it was about this liquor he drank heavy all the time. So this this W D Emerson you know one told me to want that liquor on him. Mm -hmm. This is Frank Hayden's nephew, this Luther Well. Uh -huh. uh, John, what did what did you need the union for? You you needed for. You you needed for stewards like you had some stewards who were pretty Jim Crow, you know. Really, they thought they thought a little too hot papa, you know. And you needed for the stewards were white. Oh yeah. Oh. oh. And you needed for to protect you. And you needed for, in other words, like you, they report that you had some trouble with some passengers on the train, that the union would go to bat, you know. And uh, find out the truth, and then govern yourself according, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, just like anywhere, you need got to have somebody represent you. So you know? it did do something for oh, you. Oh, very much, very much. And it, it, it raised your salary. Mm -hmm. So let's say, what did it do for you? It raised your salary, it kept you, um, treated you as a human being, you know, and um, no one would take advantage of you because if something happened to you, like somebody report you, your report to you, then you had the union representative would come and find out what was, you know. But the union representative was black. Black, hell yeah. So how did that work? I mean, did he have? Uh, he had the power. He had the he power. Did. Very much so. Very much so. Yes, Frank J. Hayden. He was nothing but power. Was what was why couldn't the the sleeping car porters and the Pullman porters, why couldn't they all have been in one union? Well, they, they the Pullman had uh, they were they were a little stronger than ours. And they had a they had a long time before they were in the union a long time before we did. Or we didn't get into, you know, not that early. Where the sleeping uh porter Sleeping Club Porter was in long years and years and years ago. Mm -hmm. The Pullman service been in for years and years. Dining car wasn't. I'm just surprised that y'all wouldn't have been stronger. Of, no, no part of that. Just part of that. Porters, porters. Well, no, I, we were waiters. See, there were different. waiters. We waiters, and they're dining car waiters. waiters. And these are Pullman porters. porters. So it's all together different, you know. Mm -hmm. And then they have. The, a train conductor union, and a and a train porters and a por train brakeman union, and the engineer. So everything was separate. Well, pretty much so. Yeah. Um, I think when I talked to you on the phone, I might have told you I've heard this interview. This man giving an interview like yourself, mm -hmm. uh, who had been a sleeping car porter. Porter. Pullman porter. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's right. Isn't it the same? Pullman, por Pullman car porter or sleeping car porter is all the same. Okay, and and he was saying in those days that I asked you what they called you. You had a name tag. They said they called him either, you know, boy 
or George. Yeah, George. After George Pullman. Yep. They call you they they that that they do the same thing in dining car. They call uh, uh, people in service George or boy. I mean it it it's no different. How, how do you how do you handle that inside, John? Tell them, you know, smile, and you know, the people, the very important people try to call themselves being smart. Just smile, and it don't say a word. It irritates them so bad, you know. You can make a person real mad by just smile. How you know? Yeah, uh -huh. and they call themselves being tough, being taken advantage of you. And if you smile. And smile, that guy's crazy. I mean, they, they just, they, sooner or later, they'll quit doing it. Because, I mean, you know, because no one like, you, they think you will be getting mad, going to swear and cuss, and you start smiling at them. Then what do you do? You say, you know? It has nothing to do. What, how'd you learn that, John? Somebody tell you, like you're telling me, to help out, or, or did, did you learn that? I learned that. Through my scouting, I learned it through my scouting. I learned it through my scouting. You know, everybody says, "John, you're so nice to people." Well, uh, uh, help other people all the time. Uh, do a good turn daily. Uh, there's so many things that you learn through scouting. That really, that's that's the interview itself. But this, oh, the, what the scouting did yeah. for you? Huh? I said, that would be, it would take a, a whole interview to, to, to talk about your scouting. Yeah, because it's very important in, in everybody's life. And, and when, but, but John, is it, is it a little bit different when somebody's doing something to you to smile at it? Well, you're not smiling inside, are you? Uh, I just, uh, it, it just don't, it just don't, it just don't bother me. I mean, I'm on, I'm on two levels. I, nothing, people... You're, you're almost too I, level, would you say? I say, my, I don't, I don't worry. Life is too short to worry about little things, what people may say or think they're wrong. If, you, if they say anything wrong which you don't approve, you can lay it on the ignorant. I mean, you don't have to, you don't, you don't think you're smart. You just lay it on the ignorant and say, oh my goodness, I didn't realize. Then they, they tell you who they are by the way they conduct themselves. So, then you can govern yourself accordingly. You you don't have to give them all that attention because they're ignorant. I mean, they don't they don't know. So what do so you, you do? You put it on them. I put it on them. So reverse psychology. I mean, which is great psychology. Just reverse it. Just like we say, with triangle had two sides and triangle one left. Triangle ABC, triangle BC, call both of them right angle, ninety degrees. It all comes around, you know, tangent uh, to a circle. Only touch the circle at one given point, you know. And uh, there's a lot of little things that you, you run in algebra or geometry, or whatever, trig, whatever it might be. And you learn this in school, and uh, you just just perform it out in life. So did your, do you think your personality, the one that you have now, that's so outgoing and you know so many people and you remember so many things, did, was that formed by the railroad? Uh... Yes and no. I really think that it, um, I work in public. I've been in public ever since I was, uh, I started about 10, 11 years old. And um, I used to work at a, 
uh, like I think I shine shoes, and we had a place like a, a shoe shop where the man uh, put heels and uh, on people's shoes, you know, and and sold, mm -hmm. and you get a car ticket with ten punches in it, and uh, each time you punch a ticket, you get a free shine. They had ten free shine in this ticket. I didn't get no salary, but what it was, I get a little tip because they wasn't charging for the shine. That was a compliment of getting the work done at the shoe shop. So you learn people's names and you learn, I mean, always so many things to learn. Tell me, let's, we've got time now. I'm, I'm really pretty much finished with uh, what I wanted to know about mm -hmm. the railroad, unless you have something you want to add. Um, uh, I will say that the man that I heard interviewed on the train, on the, on the radio about the trains, said that when he got off the railroad, he took his uniform and he threw it, rolled it up and threw it out the window. Why? I guess he hadn't liked the way it went for him. Well, anybody, anybody that has that small, well, let's see, how can I express it? If there, I mean, really, I, I can, I can understand people. I mean, you know, uh, he ain't no been on the railroad to start with. I put it that way. Anytime you have that feeling in life, in general, you have no business. You have no business being on the railroad. And just like out to Westwood, you know, people say, "How you put?" I said, "Look, it's fun. I enjoy them. I enjoy every one of them. I enjoy the kids. I enjoy the grandkids. I miss the people." And I love them. And, and really, I mean, you got to have love for people. If you don't have no love for people or your job, you're not going to not gonna do anything on no place. No. You got to have love for your job. You got to have love for the people you work with. You got to have love for your surroundings. And if you don't have no love, you, you just might as well just go jump in a hole and die. Because really, I mean, life is too tight and too short to have hard feelings or, you know, uh, like people. And just like Nick, that's what happened to Nick. Nick had that smile and just grin, but he was hurting inside. When I smile outside, I'm not hurting, I'm just as, and I, if I have something to say, I'm sorry I may offend somebody, but it's coming out. I cannot hold back. I cannot hold back anything. And uh, like people say, how can you take that? I said, look, it's fun. Just let them talk, let them talk. I do not care, I enjoy them, I smile at them. How come we're at my table? I don't, well you know I got them. Yeah, well I can't call, I got some tape on here. I want to say something but. Let's talk about scouting. He said that would be another interview. Well, I mean, uh, scouting is just, I don't know what I've told you, I mean, it's, it's um, it's like a church for you. Yeah, it's like it's, it's like a religion. It really is. I mean, uh, uh, there's so many things. Just like uh, if you had a rope, you know, like a a three foot rope, and you don't want to cut it. You need, it don't need but a foot to use. Well, how would you how would you use it to keep from cutting it? Well, then you make a clothes hitch out of it. You'd have to double it up, have a knot on here, a knot on here. And then you'd have the length you want without cutting it. Or if, if you had a, like you have a knot, a timber hitch, like a log, 
you put it around where that you pull this log, and when you let off of it, it just falls off. Or right now, I bet you can't tie a square knot. You know, a square knot, a lot of people don't know how to tie a square knot because tying a square knot, when you take it loose, it's supposed to come right out. But a lot of people don't know. It's supposed to be looped, you know, sort of loop like it is. And uh, well, timber hitch and, and sheep shack, that was a tough knot. I don't know, it's anything like But what, what has it meant in your, your life? You're telling me that it's teaching you how to do things, it, how, it, not to waste, how, how not to waste, how to make the best of everything. How to make the best of everything, and um, like a, making a fire. What would you do if you didn't have a mat? What would you do? You use some bark with cream? <laughs> And you like a knife or something to make flint and, and have a fire. You know what I mean? Uh, there are a lot of things that you you learn through scouting. What did you What did you try to impart to the kids when you're a scoutmaster? Be obedient. Obey. Who? The scoutmaster, your parents, your people, everybody. Be obedient. Trustworthy, like I told you loyal, be helpful, be friendly at all times, be courteous, be kind. Do you feel like you've made a difference in some kids' lives? In whose life? In, in the kids? some kids? Oh, sure. Heck yeah, sure. I mean, I fell I mean, because they respect me. See, I lived in a project for a long time. Where'd you live down there? In Pruitt. And, uh, did you? Yeah, I lived down there. And, what uh, years? When did you move in there? Uh, around 50. To 53, about three years down there. When did it open? Around 50. I had the first apartment called, what happened? Uh, a guy by the name of Tink Bradley, you, you, you know Bradley, he was head, was one of the head of the, the project, you know, a place and people. And I knew him because we went to Lincoln together, and my sister went to Lincoln, mm -hmm. and I told my sister, she teaching in Kansas City at the time, which she, I haven't retired not too long ago. But what I'm saying that I got it through politics. I got in there because you had to be screened, you know, you had to have this and that. And, that. and I didn't even get four bedrooms, which I really didn't need, but I got the four bedrooms. And uh, I hate to move out of the project. I mean, you know, really what happened. I was paying, I went out to Westwood. Let's see, I lived there till, I lived in the project for, let's see, how many years? Uh, I moved, I bought my house in 70 where I live now, and I lived in a project that long. And I hated to, I hated to uh, move out of the project because I was saving so much money. I wasn't paying for 45, 50 dollars a month for four bedrooms, light, gas, everything was furnished. But I enjoyed that. So... Well, really, while going back to the project, when I come in at night, you know, I always worked at night. I always worked at night. And um, I come in to live. You know, you never know what time you're going to leave Westwood at night. You know, it could be 4 o'clock in the morning. It could be 2 o'clock. It could be 1 o'clock. It could be 11 o'clock, whatever time it is. So the kids would be out, you know, in the breezeway of the project. And uh, they all talk about how bad. But good evening, Mr. Lewis, you know, I'd go in. Nobody, you know, wasn't that swearing. Or they may have said something or did something extra, extra behind my back. But they respect, they respect me down there, you know. Mm -hmm. And that is what really people said it was dangerous about the project so bad. There's nothing bad if you can make it better for yourself. And the way you make it better, give everybody respect. 
give respect to the older people, the younger people. It don't cost nothing to smile. It don't cost anything. And you, to smile, and people will give you respect. Why did you leave the project? Uh, they closed it down. That's when you left? Yes. Because my dear friend, David Millstone, used to eat lunch at my house when he, when he dad, well, I won the first building, and when dad kept on building it, he'd come on my house every day for lunch. Is it our building, Fred Igo? Fred Igo, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and one of my big favorite friends, David Millstone. And then you moved to where you are now? 5951 Laura. Laura? L-A-U-R-A, Laura. What's that zip? 36. 63136. John, where'd your kids go to school? Northwest, Warner Park. Warner Park. Mm -hmm. That's on Spectre. And Riverview and Northwest is right, you know. Mm -hmm. I live right there by Northwest. In fact, my street is in the middle of the football field, which you don't have no football there anymore. How do you, how did you like, how do you like living in St. Louis? Love it. As a black person? Love it, love it. I mean, is uh, it's polarized here, John? Well, I mean, it's, it's well really, what I'm saying, I live on the street. Uh, Practically everybody retired. I have one. When I moved, when I moved on Laura, there was a, let's see, Mr. Harper on the corner. I'm next. Mr. White, the mailman, and a lady worked at the post office. Those were the only black people on the street. And I guess there's, there's twenty, no, about fifteen, about twenty houses on the street in my block. And now there's only one white lady. Elsie, she worked for, she retired from Wagner, electric down, Wagner down here in, in, in Wellston. But what I'm saying, everybody on my street is practically retired, and everybody owned their home. Most of them, well, they're paying on it. I know I own mine, but a lot of them are still paying on their houses. But I mean, um, uh, it's nice. It's really nice. I mean, um, it's, I don't, I get over 70, a good fella come down, make a wine on Lillian, and I'm home. Now that's far as I go, you know, in the city. And uh, like my wife, she worked at Truman Center. You have to take her over to uh, one Arsenal, there's Arsenal and Hampton right in that area. But other than that, I don't go out in the street. Tell me about being a father. Well, you <laughs> like no, being a mother. mother. I like, tell me about being a father and kids. What you tried to impart to them. Well, I what I tell my kids is the same thing. I try to. I, I go back to my scout and I tell them to always if you can't and please believe if you can't say anything good about a person, just keep your mouth shut. Don't say a word. And I try to tell them that. Don't don't go around talking about. Tom, Dick, and Harry, and uh, you know, I, I learned I learned that a long time for in life. And Nick one told me one time, said Johnny, now don't talk about this person or that person because they'll all be kin. Call call one name uh, Gorman and one name uh, Shoeline. That don't mean nothing. They still could be kin, and it's a true. 
You cannot, you cannot say anything. If you can't say anything good about a person, don't say anything because chances are they are kids. And they are kids. He was a pretty special person. Well, Nick, I love Nick. He had a great way that we worked together. And, you know, guys like Davis. And Davis, he wasn't too good. Smitty was a very good friend of mine. Westfield was a very good friend of mine. Davis, you know, uh, West, you know. He, Marshall. Marshall. We worked on railroad together. We were on the same train together, Marshall and I. And Jim Smith, we don't train together. Beach, did you? Beach never was on anything. Beach, I don't know where he got his rating from, but on my on my list, I never did see the rating that high. Uh, Jimmy, he was pretty loud, but you know, Marshall was a gentleman though. Marshall was first class. Nick first class. A guy by the name of Vernon Smith, he went to the locker room at. Old Watson, when they opened that up, he was a first-class guy. Westfield, you may not remember him, but he went to Bell Reed when they opened that up. So we lost some real good waiters. John, what's the rating? I don't know about that. He what? said where did he get his rating? What is the rating? Rating mean... Well, they, uh, they rate you, but where is it? Uh, I don't know. I don't say in the middle. I don't this say up the middle. Yeah, oh, that's rating, right. yeah, rating. You know, you you get a rating. I mean, you know, uh, grade A or yeah. just just like a sticker, or just like a sticker on the door of the restaurant. You know, rating. You know, A rating, B rating. You know. And Did a, you feel like the railroads treated you fairly? For me, coming from a from a very poor family and uh, 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 without a mother and uh, without really a father. And uh, with uh, help from my scouting, I think they did a very good. I mean, I don't see no Because really, I mean, uh, I, I just, I, I cannot knock City Hall. I just. John, when you were growing up, um, did, you, did you think about what you might want to do? I mean, what, did you ever have a. The dreams of uh, you know, really, I, I run across. I have, um, I have three sisters. I had one sister, Miranda. She's my baby sister. She was in Lincoln. She graduated when she's 17 year old from college, because what happened? My mother died when she was three years old. She lived with my auntie in Joplin, so my auntie was working at the time so she couldn't keep her at home. So she was dropping a small town. So they let her start on school at three years old. So in that other words, she come out of high school around twelve, something like that, and then she went to Lincoln and come out of Lincoln at seventeen. But what happened? She graduated from Lincoln. So she went down to Crystal City taught a while. Then she went to Haytide down there, Haytide, Missouri, and taught a while. Then she went back to Crystal City, taught. She taught home economics, you know. So what it was that during the time they integrated the school, my baby said she was teaching. She was number one on the list. She hadn't been out of college in about a couple of years, but she's number one. But she didn't. She finally realized they had some white teachers with 40 years of seniority 
but wouldn't teach at a black school. So when Ina when I got the, the word that they'd integrate in the school, well, these teachers going to work some. So they, they jumped in with four years of seniority and run all the little bitty scrubs out. So my sister went to uh, out in L.A. and she's been out there ever since. And uh, so what I'm saying, that was, she had it really bad because she had a school and had to go all the way to California to get a job because, because of integration. Integration made it that way because the teachers wouldn't teach at the little one-room school or, you know, because uh, black kids were there. So, so. Well, we were talking about opportunities. Did, did, what, what opportunities did you think you had when you went to get a job? Well, actually, I like I told you, I worked at a little townhouse in Springfield. I worked at Graham Barbecue Stand, corner school. I, um, I went to Fort Leonard Wood to work at ERTC club, Austin club. Then I went to the railroad, and really I haven't, and uh, I've had a lot of professional people in my family, but I really didn't, never did want to teach school. I never wanted to do anything like that. In fact, I enjoyed meeting people, enjoyed working at American Hotel. You, uh, I got fun out of trying to make extra money. You know, you, like Oklahoma had four, had four, uh, Four session, you know what I mean? Well, what they call breaks. Uh, you know, they Oklahoma was a, had like four times for people to get out of the show and go back in. So when I was serving people in American Hotel, they had this table here, say party of eight, and when they they had dinner here, so they come. I keep this table for them to come back at intermission. They have like you want a bottle of beer, and he wanted a scotch on rocks, or or he might want a bullet, or whatever it might be, you know, to drink. And then when they come out of intermission, they didn't have to ask the waiter for the drink. They come right to the table where they had for dinner and have a drink. And then the four times, four intermissions, I did very good on this one little table here. Taking, you know, they always want drink when they come back from the intermission. So I enjoy, I enjoy uh, making bucks, making bucks, making bucks. And you got to make money and really, what is it, honest, I mean, honest money. Yeah. And really, I mean, um, that's what I enjoy. So, so school, school teachers service. don't make no money. Yeah. You give good service yeah. and you meet people. And, and, uh, you make the best of it. You make the best. And uh, really, I mean, just like uh, me working, I don't need, I bought, I think I bought six hours for my wife and I bought six for me. Six what? Hours. You know, you know, like when my kids, like when my kids, um, six hours? No, hours, hours. You know, you know, two, yeah, about six for my wife and six for me. And uh, I think of what, $4,000 for each one of them. So I bought them all along while I was working. And, uh, but unfortunately, now I got the cash in. I had to take off about $10, $12, $100 off every one. You know, have to get seventy one and a half, you got to start turning them in. But what I'm saying, I just uh just love to try to make money. Mm -hmm. I enjoy it. I enjoy me. And people wonder, Johnny, where'd you get your money from? Where you get your money from? I said, Well, just turn it over, turn it over, turn it over. Buy some buy some uh, Gus Weinstock. I'm not good yeah, Gus Weinstock, you 
Tell me how to try to make a little money. Victor Shoeline used to try to tell me how to make a little money. You know Gus Weinstein? Bob Weinstein's brother? Herb? Herb? Yeah, well, Gus lived right across. You know where Braun lived? You know where Argo Lando lived over on the corner? The next house was Gus Weinstein's house. There wasn't the three brothers of them, Gus, Herb, and Bob. Well, John, you've been really nice. Well, I enjoy We've known each other a long time, Johnny, and every bit of it's been a pleasure, and I really appreciate your doing this uh, interview with me today. So good luck and God bless. I appreciate, John, the way that you have described your life uh, for um, the manuscript I'm going to try and write, and I appreciate your love for the uh, Boy Scouts and how it's shaped your life. So again, my very best. Today is March 1st, 2006. This interview was done with Johnny 31494. Uh, Johnny passed away um, about two weeks ago and um, I was listening to this tape to see um, I was listening to this tape so that I may make a copy of it to give to his family. Johnny Lewis worked at Westwood for oh probably uh, 50 years and retired um, everyone there um, respected him and he did his job uh, with dignity and with care and with humor. Thank you.